Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy on the opening night of the 2020-21 NHL season. I don't really know why it's a 2020-2021 season because it isn't. it's a, it's a, I guess some teams started training camp in theory in the last days of 2020, Bruce, is the, is the best we can do on that. Okay. Anyway, that's the least of our complaints tonight, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, the Edmonton Oilers lost their first game of the year, 5-3 to three, to the Vancouver Canucks. It was our first look at the new look Edmonton Oilers. There's been a number of changes on the team. We've got to see a whole uh, basket full of new players. And, you know, it was the, uh, we had had four games in about 10 months, I think it is, of Oilers hockey. And uh, the Oilers looked rusty, Bruce, is what I would say. It was a very exhibition-like hockey game. So this is our two good things, two numbers. Two good things, two bad things, and two numbers. I'm a bit rusty. Two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Just just give me your overall take first, though, Bruce, of the game. What, what did you think? Rusty, rusty, rusty. There, It was so sloppy, David. The defensive zone coverage was uh, was just a dog's breakfast far too often. Yeah. Uh, while we have uh, the Oilers uh, having the advantage of uh, high-danger scoring chances, I bet you if you counted up the grade A++ chances, uh, Vancouver would probably have the edge because Evenden had some absolutely horrific breakdowns in their own end. And at least three of the Vancouver goals were scored by guys that were left to their own devices. And uh, Miko Koskinen didn't have the answers. I wouldn't necessarily blame him on any of the goals, but a save would have been nice at a, some point or other. Braden Holtby certainly delivered some saves for uh, Vancouver. It, Holtby Bruce was fantastic. Twenty grade A scoring chances for the Oilers in that game, which is incredible. That's a you know, that's a very high amount. And the Canucks had fifteen, so the the Oilers had more grade A chances. Seems like every time they had a really super grade A chance, they would get slashed and uh, and not be able to get off the best shot. But uh, and then you know, anyway, we'll get into it. Uh, let's go. What what's your what is your good thing in the game, Bruce? Uh, I'm going to go with Connor Yamamoto. I liked his game tonight. Yeah, he scored a, uh, a lovely goal to tie the game one to one, where he uh, he won the puck with some great hustle on the forecheck, uh, chipped it uh, into a place where Drysaddle could get it, and uh, got into give and go position. And when he got the return pass, he just rocketed it top shelf, really good, quick release, goal scores goal. That one looked like uh, he had. Uh, absolutely tremendous chance to tie the game uh, oh, 4-4 in the third period. Uh, again, from close range. Like, he gets right in tight to the net, Hamamoto. 5-6 or whatever he is or not, 5-6. You know, it's, it doesn't stop him from burrowing his way into the uh, into the tough spots. Uh, and uh, Braden Holtby made the huge save on him that time. Uh, he did take one penalty early in the game, but he made up for that twice over by drawing two penalties the other way. And he's got a real potential as a good penalty drawer, which is a key skill on this team. So overall, I saw him, uh, I saw him pretty well. He didn't strike me as having any of the major defensive gaffes that we saw sprinkled throughout many other members of the team. And, and uh, overall to my eye, he was uh, certainly the best winger, uh, on the Oilers, if not the best 
forward or even best player. Yeah, he Leon did a lot of good things on the ice tonight too, mm-hmm. but he had he some also some big clangers. So uh, it was kind of like the um, you know very good and very bad situation with him. Bruce, I like that line, and and um, I I've been hopeful. You know the 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 breakup of the dynamite line was was a terrible mistake. I still hold in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and I'm not still not thrilled about it. But Cahoon, I thought did well uh, without those two players. They did. He wasn't able to score. He was in tight a couple times and couldn't yep. score. And but I thought he and the, he, that line did very well. They're their most dangerous line consistently of the Oilers on uh, on the night, you know, by far. You could certainly see the chemistry um, between the Germans. So good work by that group of players. Yeah, that's right. And Cahoon, uh, I don't think that's his A game, but uh, he made some nice plays there. Mm-hmm. Okay, Bruce, my good thing is. Oilers' new arrival, one of the new arrivals, um, who you were ex- really excited about coming to Edmonton, Slater Cuckoo, mm-hmm. and who I was surprised to see in the starting game. I thought it was going to be Chris Russell. Me too. You know, they would go with the veteran. I am glad Dave Tippett went with Cuckoo. He was, I think, the most effective Oilers defenseman and uh, by quite a bit. He, he, um, his puck moving, Bruce, was exceptional. He con- contributed to four grade A scoring chances, made major contributions with stretch passes and other passes. And he made uh, major mistakes on just two against, which is a really outstanding total for uh, for any defenseman in the game because defensemen have much fewer offensive opportunities and much more defensive responsibility. So they're much more likely to be put in a spot where they're going to make a major mistake on a goal against. So for, for a debut, Bruce, I thought it was strong and it was, it was um, a signifier or indicative of what I thought was overall quite a strong game, not defensively by the defenseman. Mm-hmm. That was a horrible game defensively by the entire mm-hmm. team. That was a, that was a clangor of a game, but they moved the puck. Well, Bruce, they really did when the, uh, when they, they were snapping the puck around moving it up to the forwards very quickly. And, and, and honestly, it made me feel really good about this team, although they lost this game. And um, the work ethic, I thought, was lacking at times in, in the team. Was You know, they, they were outworked by the Canucks in this game, I, I thought. And um, nonetheless, the amount of skill I saw in passing of the puck, what a relief. I mean, God, we have been watching for years now, you know, and even in the McDavid era when the team's gotten a bit better, just some of the worst passing defensemen, you know, in the NHL in this era. And that's not these Oilers. That's not this team. And they didn't have Evan Bouchard in the lineup. And um, if Adam Larson keeps playing like that, they might just have <laughs> Evan Bouchard in the lineup sooner than later. Anyway, we'll get into that in a second. But they moved the puck well, and I was really impressed with them, in particular Cuckoo. He sure made a great pass to Cahoon early in the game. Cross ice, oh. diagonal pass, yeah. caught the, found his tape right in front of the net, right, found a, found a narrow passing lane, zip right through it, right on the tape. That was nice. I thought he had a, a couple of uh, uh, weak moments defensively, but uh, with the puck on the stick, he was fine and, and actually a little bit creative. So that was uh, that was pleasant to, to see. You're a bad thing. Well, I'm going to go into the the sea of despair that was Edmonton Oilers' defensive coverage. I know you've laid dibs onto one of the goals already, but I'm going to take the second Vancouver goal by Nils Hoglander, the rookie Nils Hoglander, where the Oilers' fourth line of uh, uh, Jujar Kara and Tyler Ennis on this particular play 
got their wires crossed at the blue line, couldn't get the puck out. And then uh, Kara uh, went back into the zone. He seemed to be in good position. And then he just stopped skating completely. And he just glided about three feet behind Hoaglander all the way to the front of the net. Hoaglander jumped on a rebound and pounded it in. And that was the moment that Kara decided, oh, maybe I better check that guy. But he was looking at his numbers the whole way in, and he was like three feet behind him, just too far away to do anything. And I'm going, what are you doing that? Like, you're probably not going to score a goal for two months. Maybe you better start working on defending your own net. If You know, I mean, it's just so frustrating that, you know, that's, yeah. that's just a gift. You go hard back on the guy and you lift his stick. I mean, any bottom six player in hockey, if you can't do that, you're not going to stick around. I'm sorry to say. I've been rooting for this guy for a long time, but that's uh, the same Bruce, old movie. He needs a change of scenery, Bruce, and it's too bad that another claim didn't, another team didn't claim him on waivers because he really needs to go to another city and, and get a new start. Because he's not, we're not going to see him next game. I don't think we're going to see Devin Shore in the lineup. Maybe. And when Gaetan Haas is ready to play, Gaetan Haas would have not. He would have made that play. He is a smart defensive player. There was a there was a little bit too much blowing the zone actually in this game from mm-hmm. the orders yep. as a as a group. It yep. was a factor in the yep. Drysaddle kind of blew the zone there. He, you know, he's go for the puck, but stop on the puck too, maybe. Of course he's trying to get the breakaway there down a goal. So I understand that at that point in the game. Puck but just got tipped as he got to it too. Yeah. 60, so it's a tough four or forty three both got his his blowing the zone one is but Cairo was a little ahead of the play. Like but not really. All he had to do was put his put his Pedal to the metal. And Bruce, this is this is my pet one of my pet peeves in hockey. Mm-hmm. He's trying to catch up to the guy on the back check. And the other the other guy stops skating to cruise into the slot. And mm-hmm. instead of Kyra, Jujar, keep moving your feet, moving your yeah. feet to get on the guy, he starts coasting too. Sliding and watching the Sliding. guy. Why watch the play that? from three feet away? Maybe I don't know. It's uh-huh. maybe you get close to the net and everyone starts to glide because it's a little dangerous to go full board. But get back and c- cover that guy. You'd think there'd be some desperation. Nugent Hopkins had a back check in the second period just before um, there was a Holby made that turnover in the corner that Nugent Hopkins got, where he inexplicably passed the puck when the goalie was kind of half in the net. Nugent was trying to set up McDavid just before that at the other end of the ice. Nugent come back and made an absolutely brilliant back check. I mean, that's how you back check. Get get back there and make the check. And Jujar Kara, like the story of his season last year, Bruce, was plays like that. And and you can't have that. And Dave Tippett will not have that. Kara played, what, seven minutes or something like that? Seven and a half minutes that game? Because they, you know, the coach had seen enough. Speaking of... Target the guy. But you got to target the guy's stick, you know. Yes, get on his stick. Lift his stick. I mean, Kara is a bigger player. Way more leverage. I mean, Hoaglander, the guy that scored, is five foot nine. You know, I mean, he's a little tank, but you know, the bigger man should be able to win a strength battle there. But you've got to be close enough to get in the battle, and he just didn't move his feet to join the battle. It just was he was a spectator. Very frustrating to watch. So my bad thing is also the five goals against. There's lots to pick, <sighs> lots to pick from, but on two of them, Bruce. Adam Larson, just absolutely, well, can we say shit the bed on this podcast? <laughs> I just said it. You make the rules. That's what happened, man. He, <laughs> he, Especially the first one. Oh, what was he doing on the first one? 
It's a two on two. Cassian is on that guy. All our Larson, he's as a veteran defenseman, he should have a sense of how many people are coming down on the ice, rushing the puck at him, right? It's yeah. a, it was a fairly slow developing play. You'd think he'd look up. Oh, there's two guys. Oh, Cass has got that guy. I'm just going to stay in the middle of the ice. Mm-hmm. But no, he goes for the big hit. And he totally takes himself out of the play. He didn't even land the hit. He didn't even land it. He kind of took Cassian out of the play, if you ask me a little bit. Like, a, you know, he, he kind of botched Cassian's attempt to check the player. Mm-hmm. And it's put into the middle for Bo, Bo Horvat for a, a, you know, the mm-hmm. scoring chance plays don't get much sweeter than that. I mean, uh, that's like a 33% shot, 40% shot. That's breakaway shot in a game is like a clear breakaway one and shot. Three, in a yeah. game. One and three. So yeah, one and three. And, uh, and then on the, the last, <laughs> which goal was this? Was it the last goal of the game or was it the, no, no it was the third goal, the third, yes, wait, fourth, the four, goal, the four fourth two goal. goal, the winning goal. That's the one where Drysaddle is, you know, he's he's trying to get the breakaway. So somewhat forgivable. I still see that as a major error on the play. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he, it turns he out lost, to be, he lost the battle, and it goes right down low. So it turns out to be a. But Joe, Caleb Jones was also cheating high on the yep. play. Both defensemen. But Larson had he had just hit. Who scored that goal? Was it uh, Besser? Who was Besser. it? Besser. Besser. He had just hit Besser in the corner. He's got to know, like, oh, be- like. Adam Larson's a veteran defenseman at this point. He's been around. He's played four or 500 NHL hockey games, whatever it is now. Maybe 600. Mm-hmm. He, he's got to know. Like, you just hit that guy. Okay. Uh, puck's moving out. Uh, there's still a guy behind me, though, that i got to be aware of and know. So I, maybe it's just Kevin Bieksa was kind of handled it in kind of cool hand Kevin Bieksa fashion, you know, kind of... Uh, rather gently but pointedly suggesting Larson uh, had better not be making mistakes like that uh, oh, yeah. four or five he games into the season. He wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. That was... that. Was, I, so I won't say anything more because I don't... In, in the end, I don't want to make too much. I've made a lot of it already. I don't want to make mm-hmm. too much of it because it is Adam Larson's first game in a long time. So... Yeah, well, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that goal... I mean, the forwards, Yamamoto and Drysaddle, were in a battle for the puck at the blue line against the remarkable Quinn Hughes, who made a great play on this one. Yeah. Uh, but both defensemen drifted up past the ringette line, like not close enough to make a play on the puck, but not far enough back to protect the front of their own net. And then when Hughes was able to chip the puck through, it's Besser against Koskinen, which wasn't a good battle for Edmonton tonight. All right. What's your number? Well, I think I'm going to go with minus one, which is uh, the the plus minus for, geez, it seems like almost every player on the team. <laughs> uh, I think nine forwards. Except for Larson, defense. minus two. Yeah. Larson and Jones are minus two, and there was uh, 11 guys that were minus one. But I think I'll focus specifically on the third and fourth lines. Uh, whose job is to break even, and each of those lines lost that battle, got outscored one nothing, and the team lost the game by two goals. And the fourth line in particular, just to throw another number at you, was outshot six to zero, and just got dominated in their little bit of of, uh, of play. So uh, uh, 
here, Jujar Kara, one shot attempt for nine against, zero shots for six against, zero high danger chances for three against, and zero goals for one against. Like just lost in every aspect of it, you know. And then that one, that minus one, it wasn't just like one play against the flow of play. It was the whole game for that line. Yeah. It, the pain was every line had a goal scored against it and and uh, at least one mcdavid's yep. line i think maybe was that the one that had two yeah they were plus one minus mm. two the third and fourth lines were plus zero minus one and then the second line the uh, dry subtle line scored two allowed the one my uh number bruce is three and eleven and so as people know who listen to this podcast, but let's pretend there's some first-time listeners here. There's probably a handful of them. <clears throat> One of the ways we analyze uh, the game here at the Cult of Hockey is every gay game, Bruce and I work together on a scoring chance document. And generally speaking, I go first. and I on the So on, only on the grade-A chances. And we define grade-A chances as shots that have about 25% chance of going in. So if there's any shot on the ice that we determine and we, we have criteria, that has a 25% chance of going in or better, that's a grade A chance. Basically so had slot 20, shots. Yeah, basically slot shots. Sometimes, like if it's a one-timer from outside the slot, that'll count as well. Uh, or or uh, a heavily screenshot from the point will also be a grade A chance because that's got a high degree of likelihood of going in. Um, so uh, what we do is we look for the major contributions for the scoring chances for, like the people who really made that chance happen or the major people who made major mistakes on the scoring chances against. Typically, forwards get a lot more in the positive category than in the negative just because of their role in the game and the defenseman is opposite, especially wingers. Centers centers have a lot of defensive responsibility, so tend to have more negative marks against them when the season's over. This game, the the top uh, four defensemen on the orders, Darnell Nurse, Adam Larson, Ethan Jones, and Tyson Berry, um, they had they contributed to three scoring chances. Now they did score two goals, Larson and Nurse. So that kind of sticks out in your head, like oh, they were mm-hmm. they added to the attack. There was that you can't deny that. That was a Nurse's Nurse that play that Nurse made was a fantastic play with Cassian. Mm-hmm. But Bruce, they three they only made three contributions to Grade A chances this game, and they made eleven major mistakes on Grade A chances against as a group. And you are not going to win. Um, many hockey games, if you're, if the defenseman that you're relying upon makes so many defensive mistakes, I didn't think actually that Bear and Nurse played particularly poorly. They played a lot of minutes and they looked mm-hmm. good much of the time, but they did have a few brain farts out there uh, mm-hmm. on defense. And um, I'd say the same goes with with Barry, and uh, obviously we've already covered Larson, so they've got to crank it up. And uh, the whole team has to got to crank it up on defense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the Jones Larson pairing scored one goal, but they were on for three against. And again, the uh, the third pairing, uh, well, second pairing, like it's close. I, as I figured, the first pairing stood out. Nurse and Bear each played twenty minutes at even strength. And the other four guys all played around 13 or 14 minutes. So you tell me which is second, which is third. But uh, the the, uh, the big pair were on for two goals, four, one against. And the other pairs were zero and one for one pair and one and three for the other. So 
So Darnell was plus one in the yep. game, Darnell Nurse. And I thought actually he of the defenseman other than Cuckoo, he was my favorite defenseman that yeah, game. Yeah, I liked his game tonight. I thought he was pretty good and I was relieved to see him you know, he's talked about playing better this year, like he's playing better on defense, making better plays, and I thought he did in the first game, generally speaking, with, with a, a few mistakes. He looked pretty controlled, yeah. He did, didn't he? Yeah. Him and, and Bear looked good too, like no sophomore jinx there in the first game at least. He was he was Ethan Bear, the, the player that we Made know. some nice stops. So yeah. one-on-one, on, one on one, he, he, he stopped, I think it was Horvat, a couple of different times that uh, yeah, he Bear did. just got the better of the guy in open ice. And, Good to see. Yeah. What changes, I probably see Mike Smith and Nett. What other changes do you think we'll see, Bruce, for tomorrow? 100% we'll see Mike Smith. I'd say 100% we'll probably see Chris Russell. For who? Well, five goals against, David. Defensive breakdowns galore. And you got a, you know, a defense sitting in the press box. Uh, well, I, Caleb Jones. Could be Jones. You know, Jeez, he I was on for three him. goals against. He was burned on two yeah. of them by, by your yeah. count, two in a row early in the third period. Yeah. And, I wouldn't want to you see know, it didn't really Carson make anything happen offensively. I know we're rooting hard for the guy, but if you're going to rotate, uh, if you're going to rotate guys in and out of the lineup, you know, I mean, it's either, it would either be Jones or Cuckoo. It certainly won't, would be Nurse. And I do not want to see Chris Russell inserted on the right side. I'd be bloody tempted to pull Adam Larson and put uh, Evan Bouchard in there, to tell you the truth. Play Bouchard and Russell and sit Jones and, uh, <laughs> sit Jones and, Lar yeah, play Bouch, who am I saying? Play Bouchard and uh, Russell. Russell. Mm -hmm. Pull Larson and Jones. Yeah, well, they had, a, they had a real tough night. I mean, they did get the one goal. And, I mean, the coach, you want the coach to be patient with the guy and say, you know, you're going to have to be better, but we're going to give you a chance to, to get that one back, but at the same time, five goals against and some and just so many coverage errors. Depends. I mean, maybe the maybe the play is just stay with the same lineup and say tighten it up, boys. We know you can be better than that. You're going to need to be. Depends what kind of message he feels is necessary to send and how urgent yeah. that message is. I don't think we should panic after one game. I mean, they, really, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, Hey, well, one I'm last place already. Toronto and Vancouver got two points. Montreal got one. The only reason I'm saying that is I was, I was kind of panicking. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to calm myself down. Every out-of-town game I watch all year, I'm going to be rooting for a two-point game. I don't care who wins. I just want a two-point game. Changes it forward? Do you think we might see Tyler? Like, the fourth line was not strong. So I don't think we're going to see Kara. I think we'll see Devin Shore. Um, well, they got to find oh, a way to get him in the team. First of all, they yeah, have to clear right. waivers, yeah. and then they got—I mean—they haven't even got a spot on the taxi squad for him yet. So they're going to have to figure out some way to get him in there, and that either involves uh, sending out somebody who doesn't have to clear waivers, or it involves uh, waiving somebody else. Fair enough. Well, they could waive Jujar again. I mean, they, well, they don't have to waive him, actually. Jujar is the, is the answer. Yeah. He could be sent to the taxi squad now because he's already cleared waivers. We could also see Ryan McLeod. Like, I mean, I don't think... I mean, Ryan McLeod's not a worse player than Jujar Karabers at this point, I don't think. He, I, don't know, I don't know if he's much better because he still, he still needs seasoning, but if they want to give him a few games before he goes to the AHL, which I think where he belongs this year, 
maybe we'll see him because I don't think you can play Kara again. Like it just he's we've seen we've seen enough. Sorry, Jujar Kara. Uh, <laughs> for being so negative, maybe you'll maybe he'll come back and have a good game. He is a key penalty killer, Bruce Kara. So that's one thing that may keep him in the lineup. The Oilers mm-hmm. PK when they were on the PK certainly didn't look very good. So uh, that was a little bit scary, honestly. You know, they were kind of getting sieved by cross-seam passes. Yeah. I think we might see Tyler Benson in. No. No. I don't. Because you have to, yeah, that, won't, that wouldn't work. It has no, to be a center because Kara's the obvious guy and they need a center. And that would, that would be the only thing that might happen. As of now, they have 12 forwards, nine defensemen, and two goalies. So I think the plan was to send Evan Bouchard to the taxi squad because I can do that freely. Yeah. And replace him with a forward. And whoever that forward is might get in. And it might be Devin Shore. Um, I see. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Let's leave it there, Bruce. We'll be back at it tomorrow night, hopefully with better news. Losing two in a row to the Canucks would be a brutal way to start the year. Yeah. I mean, home back-to-back home games i mean it's it's crucial if you lose the first one you got to bounce back so this is a big early test for edmonton to uh to bring something or at least their b game tomorrow night you know Connor mcdavid's gonna score some points tomorrow night he, he mm-hmm. had six six he had a lot of really good looks at the net and he just didn't have any puck luck tonight but that'll come so we'll see what happens all right bruce thanks for talking tonight and good luck writing the game great yeah thanks for listening everyone And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.